Pickaxe. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are a video game radio show and this, I suppose, is our Christmas special. I'm Steve Curran. Ho, ho, ho! (laughs) Uh, Hello, I'm Simon Byron. Hi, Simon. How are you? Very well. I say very well. Well, look, we're keeping things positive, aren't we? So, Mm. um... I'm. Re- I couldn't be happier that I woke up with a really awful back. Tr- <laughs> trouble walking today. It took me about a minute to get from the house to the shed. It's not a big garden. Uh, I'm in an awful lot of pain, but that's brilliant. Happy Christmas. Mm. What about similarly, you? similarly, uh, struggled to sleep last night because of back pain. Delighted with that. Uh, also delighted at switching on the cricket this morning and discovering uh, England. <laughs> Collapsing again in spectacular fashion, limping towards a second test defeat. Uh, yeah, it was genuinely a super uplifting morning, and I'm delighted to be here, Simon. I could not be uh, more pleased that I left my um, ergonomic mouse and spare laptop charger in Bristol on Monday, <laughs> when it looks like we'll I'll never be going back there because we're going to be locked down again. So, you know, I can't think of anywhere safer or more convenient for me to have two items of uh, technology that I could do within the shed. Yeah, and I was delighted the other day to get a text message saying your flight for Finland, which I'm not going to because of COVID, uh, leaves imminently. And another one the next day to say uh, you should now be on your flight coming back from Finland. That was fantastic. <laughs> Good news. <laughs> so full of uh, full of Christmas cheer. Yeah, we've, I think we've got a couple of weeks off, do we? Uh... I think so. This is our last show before Christmas. How are you getting on with your Christmas shopping? Uh, I've... I'm, I'm dealing with it by not thinking about it. I think I think I've got enough things. Mm. Um, so yeah, should be okay. Yeah, I'm in a better state than I was this morning, but still in a state. I think. <laughs> uh, so we will see how. I mean, it's a bit of a race against time now, isn't it? Because I saw there are sort of seeding in the press. By they, I mean the government seeding in the press that a lockdown is is sort of imminent. Um, and of course, if that lockdown falls tomorrow. Suddenly we wake up and the alarms are going off and saying, all the shops are closed. There's going to be a lot of last minute Christmas Ooh. present buyers in trouble. Um, so They yeah. don't shut the off licenses, Steve. Essential, <laughs> that's all you need to know. Central goods. Ah, good. Um, have you had an interesting week in video games? 
I've had a good week in video games, actually. Um, uh, I did some. I did my first ever live stream on Monday. Well, I know, and I'm looking forward to talking about that later in the show. Um, I did uh, some other bits and bobs. Yeah, it's all gone pretty well, I think. Hmm. Yeah, same, same. And I've sort of played a game this week as well. In fact, I spent 25 quid on a oh, game. Oh, come on. I know, so... Uh, <laughs> So we'll talk about that in reviews. Got stuff to talk about. And brilliantly, well, didn't the listeners come through with letters this week? Yes, they did. I saw one, I think. <laughs> did I see one? I'd better open that up now. Yeah, we've had a we've had a few. So oh, uh, good. So that's good. That's good. Um, well best best crack on with it then. We should. Uh, have you got some new stories? I do have some new stories. I've got some new stories as well. This is the news. Simon, you start. Uh, so, um, this news story um, originates from uh, Reddit. R gaming, R slash gaming leaks and rumours. And it's to do with Breath of the Wild 2. Um, so the, the headline of the, of the Reddit post is Breath of the Wild 2 planned for November per IGN's Peer Schneider. Um... In the latest NVC podcast, Piers Schneider, IGN's founder, EVP chief content officer, talked about how he attended the Game Awards and in the after parties got to learn that Nintendo 20, Nintendo's 2022 plans. Piers said Nintendo is planning for a huge 2022 and he personally is very excited about what he heard. He suggests in this segment that Breath of the Wild 2 is on track for release in 2022. He didn't give too much context at, point, um, at this point, but later in the episode they talk about open world games and he directly says that will probably change this November when we play Breath of the Wild 2. So how do we feel about that, Steve? I love Breath of the Wild, like genuinely. I <laughs> I was surprised at uh, Last Marioki. Uh, the, where we do the Christmas songs, right? And they come out uh, once a year, as they should, because they're definitely written to a lower standard than the rest of Mariaki's canon. Uh, but there's a song that I wrote, which is quite mean about Breath of the Wild. Oh, uh, Steve. I know. It's easy to be mean, isn't it? It is easy and funny to be mean. Uh, and as I said, the Christmas songs have quite a low bar. Uh, but I did love that game. I thought it was really, really beautifully constructed. Like, as a piece of game production I think one of the standout titles of the last 10 years, it's just so solid throughout um, I didn't find anything in it individually spectacular like maybe the weather is the thing that I remember the most, but it's just a it's a good solid genre piece and I will definitely dive in uh, for a second helping of that um, I suppose the risk for them and for people who are more tech oriented is that by then the switch will be feeling pretty old won't it simon well it will be yes but if anybody gets the best out of that hardware it's nintendo isn't it so mm. um uh yeah we'll be i don't think we're going to see uh, such a significant leap between the, the games as we have done with uh whatever the previous zelda was and breath of the wild um i think it will be more of the same but there's no bad thing 
Mm. Um, I thought, though, that this post actually didn't do the Game Awards after party much uh, good, did they? they? They don't sound like the wildest parties. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. If you've, no, you've presumably got Shigeru Miyamoto there getting drunk and spilling his release dates all over the place. I don't know if that's what happened. I'm just, you know, speculating. That sounds like a good time. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I think, <laughs> what do you want you know, to see at these things? Well, you know, everybody should have been... I think everybody was excited to get out and about just for a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and with the oncoming storm of Omicron, Omicron, I should say, um, uh, you know, I think that they would have gone for it a bit more. And actually, you know, what you'd have had in R slash Gaming Leaks as rumours was like, who got off with who? <laughs> Is that why you that's is that why you reddited? You're straight in there for a gossipy no, mistletoe. I, I, uh, I actually I actually reddited it for a punchline which is already out of date. Okay. Do you want to hit me with that now or is Well, the the following post, Steve, from oh. um slash R Gaming Leaks and Rumors, uh head headline Breath of the Wild 2 may be delayed till Q1 2023. <laughs> So the game, the games, game whose release date hadn't been announced was being delayed. Uh, was the story, uh, but in between, I told you it took me ages to get to the house, uh, to get to the shed. In between me looking at that at that post and getting to the shed, mm. uh, there's a disclaimer that says, "Sorry, this post has been removed by the moderators of our gaming leaks and rumours." Interesting. Um, uh, the top post is this random person on Twitter does not have a good record, but track <laughs> record. Pierre Schneider is the literal founder of IGN and quite possibly has more experience than any other journalist in the video game industry. His word still has more value. So there we go. Right, okay, uh, I've got two rumor. things to say. One, <laughs> for all we know, that random person at Twitter was at the after after party uh, where news broke of the delay. We don't know that. Secondly, let's just rewind to this more experience than anyone else in the games journalism industry points right how long have we been doing the podcast for the radio show for oh since since they invented podcasts yeah well it's been it's been about 16 years i think right so 16 years times two that's 32 years yep. already is Piers got more than 32 years maybe he does but if you add your experience before that uh, on the one my experience at Edge magazine, I reckon we'll be giving Piers a run for his money, assuming you can call what you can call what we do journalism. How do we start a, a rumor then? I guess I just add here and go rumor um, that uh, well, that, well, actually, so they've they explain it quite loosely. They say and quite possibly has more experience, so they don't. It's not a fact. Mm. So I'm not sure that we can go in guns blazing with that one. Why don't we just start um, another rumor about Breath of the Wild too? Okay, to say what that actually it's been, it's been delayed even further, or it's been brought forward, or it's not happening. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's been brought forward from its original slip date to <laughs> to November. To November. <laughs> Heard it here first. Okay. All right. Um, I've got a new story. Uh, this is from GameDeveloper.com, uh, formerly Gama Sutra, and it's by friend of the show, Bryant Francis, the senior editor there. Final Fantasy XIV sales have been paused because the game is too popular. Ever heard of anything like that? Uh, Square Enix have announced that it's pausing sales of Final Fantasy XIV while it waits for server congestion to die down after the release of its latest expansion titled Endwalker. It's the second time the company's had to do this in 2021. 
Uh, Final Fantasy XIV's popularity has expanded wildly in the last few months. While some of it is attributed to streamer dissatisfaction with World of Warcraft, it's also worth noting that Square Enix has made it very easy, in italics, for new players to try out the game for free. I mean, it says it's the second time this has happened this year, but this is the first time I've heard of something like this, Simon. People who've made a game literally saying, no, 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 you can't buy it, it's too popular. Yeah, I mean, I guess what what else can you do? Um, you know, uh, stores these days, I, I'm guessing it's available on Steam, is it? Mm. Um, stores these days respond so quickly to user feedbacks and stuff. You can't risk uh, the ire of your players. Otherwise, that's going to impact all sorts of stuff. So I guess being proactive like that was the only thing they could do, other than having more servers. I mean, it says here at the end of the article, it's probably exceptionally stressful for the Final Fantasy XIV team to have to pause sales on their games while they sort out the congestion issues. <laughs> like, of course it is. Explosive success is obviously better and more encouraging than dismal failure, but it's also a hard lesson for how game developers of all shapes and sizes truly struggle when it comes to handling problems at this large scale. Well, I think the point there is it's basically... <laughs> <laughs> I think the point there is it's a nightmare releasing a video game because whether it goes well like or it. badly, um, you're always going to have things to do. Even if you hit that sweet spot right in the middle, oh yeah, this is meeting expectations, then presumably, well, certainly you're met with the nightmare which is, but couldn't we be doing better and how can we do better? It never stops. Well, even Amazon, um, who... Uh, look after the backbone of the internet don't they when the amazon web services goes down it impacts a whole host of stuff um and even they have problems uh you know so you would have thought if anybody has um access to uh servers or what have you it'd be those guys but um even they struggled uh, launching um new world uh, earlier this year so um yeah i mean what 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 chance have we got I mean, we have no chance at all, which is why uh, Bangman and Pixelgrams 2 are still on hold. Uh, Simon, uh, your turn. So this, is, um, uh, this isn't a listicle, so it's not from The Guardian, uh, but it is a story that involves a list. It's from uh, videogameschronicle.com, and Annie Robinson wrote yesterday... Review aggregation site Metacritic has revealed the 10 worst games of 2021 according to weighted average review scores from its approved critics. Launched in 1999, Metacritic says it curates reviews from only the world's most respected critics. According to its rankings, minus any titles with fewer than seven reviews, the worst scored game of the year was... What did you think it was, Steve? Uh, Didn't we hear about this on... Oh, I know. Um, that on. football game, the footy one. One point. For is that one point for getting it right, or one point because that was ten? No, that's one point for getting it right, Steve. And I, you know, whilst it's not officially known as that footy game, <laughs> all I right. I remember it's called e e e soccer e football e football. Right. Okay. E football twenty twenty two has got um, a metacritic of twenty five percent. My goodness. What else is on that list? Well, I've got the list in front of me. Uh, do, you, do you want to do any guessing or should I just pick out some highlights? Uh, I think we've had another news story like that where we've talked about another game which got absolutely hammered at launch, but I can't remember for the life of me what it is. Uh, you're thinking of Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, that's definitive right. edition. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. In fact, that said it was number one uh, when we did that news story. It was the worst rated ever, I think. Oh, that was on, that was on 
I know. Was it on Steam? Yeah, on Steam. It was some. No, I know. It's not. It's not. It's not available on Steam, is it? Um. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, anyway, um, I I don't know who who can we trust then? Um, that's number eight with a Metacritic of fifty three, um, out of a hundred. Um. Da, 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 da. We've averaged the difference between for the purposes of this list. We've averaged the difference between. Meta scores, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, t- t- the worst was eFootball. The second was Werewolf the Apocalypse, Earthblood, on PlayStation 4, 42 uh, Metacritic, quite some distance away from eFootball. Then Balan Wonderworld, do you remember that? Didn't go down particularly well earlier in the year, 44. Yeah, so not the sort of end-of-year list that you want to be on. Um, I've never seen Metacritic do this before, though, and I thought, you know, presumably they prepared this before they heard that we'd started being positive about stuff. <laughs> because it's it's a strange, it's a strange list to have, isn't it? It is. I've um, a question more generally about Metacritic. I know that ten years ago it was vitally important for uh, developers whose Milestone and bonus payments often uh, depended on high Metacritics. But I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Like, I, I wonder whether, you know, because the, the, the way people hear about games and the way people uh, enjoy games vicariously through streamers and through YouTubers, well, that's changed very much. We've moved away from a, a world where people just read magazines and, and read websites and get scores. And those scores seem to be less important these days. So I wonder whether whether Metacritic uh, is less important than it used to be. Yeah, there are a couple of bits where it does still play uh, its part. Uh, on Steam, your Metacritic can be automatically pulled onto your sales, onto your, your store page, um, which obviously, it's so obviously in that sense, you want it to be as good as possible. So hold on, when you say can be, do you mean you choose to do that? or uh... I think I think that there are ways of having it display or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly the feeling is if you've got a decent Metacritic score, score on your store page you're more likely to uh, people are more likely to pay attention to it right, um, right, right. and there are uh, without going into any details there are um certain sales promotions that you can only be included in if you have um a metacritic score above a certain ah. number or percent as well um so that sort of thing happens almost like as this catch-all um by um certain companies uh to um i think in some way understand that the games that they are working with for any of these sort of marquee sales Mm. um are of a certain quality okay i've got a new story here uh cd project red settles cyberpunk 2077 launch lawsuit for how much money simon 1.8 1.8 million dollars, Steve. 1.85, but you can have a point. Well <laughs> um, I, I like this news story mostly because of the way Bryant Francis, again, this is from GameDeveloper.com, closed the story. Uh, basically, it's saying that they various lawsuits uh, coming in from investors into the project about the kind of botched launch of Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, famously a game that shipped with loads and loads of bugs have you played it simon recently or or, or at all even not not recently no, i have no. finished it i finished, finished it, it. Uh, on on the pc and I had a great time yeah i just wonder how it's looking these days because i am really you know i played it soon after launch and didn't experience too many bugs but when you're launching to that number of people um yeah certainly 
uh, they're going to experience just en masse far more than one person is going to experience and investors weren't happy some lawsuits flying around and uh, CD Projekt so, so, Red have thrown so 1.85 at this Sorry, so did it go, go into did it go into detail as to what the investors were unhappy about? Um, it does not say here. Um, isn't that? But isn't that whole thing part and parcel of what investing is? Right, some you win, some you use, you lose, um, and that you know you would have thought that you'd do your uh, due diligence in terms of who you've got money involved. I think Um, that's true, but without knowing anything about this clearly, as I've already established, I guess when you sign contracts with investors, there are details in those contracts that you could easily uh, you could easily break. For example, if the contract says you are, you know, you uh, you're not to release this without our permission, and then you go ahead and release it, that would get you in trouble. Uh, I have no idea if that's you know something that is in these kind of contracts. but yeah, I can fully imagine that there is enough small print in uh, in the contracts for investors to find something that um, indicates, you know, for example, it launched with a lack of oversight, and that was CD Projekt's red fault. CD Projekt Red's fault, and you know they feel burned from that. I, I fully agree with you. Some you win, some you lose. It doesn't really sound like they've lost anything here, because the article goes on to say uh, that one point eight five million dollar. Uh, figure isn't incredibly dramatic because the production budget alone was pegged at $316 million and the company has already announced it's recouped the production and marketing costs for the game. So those investors have not lost any money. Now they've gained a little bit more. Uh, And as it says at the end of this piece, as Bryant says, all very cyberpunk indeed. Hmm, there's more to that than meets the ice tea. I think uh, I bet tongues were wagging at the Game Awards after party about <laughs> it. Uh, talking you. of which, Cyberpunk that is rather than the Game Awards, Tom Ivan wrote on videogameschronicle.com, Cyberpunk 2077 actor Keanu Reeves has denied ever playing the game in statements that contradict <laughs> earlier claims by its publisher CD Projekt. During an earnings call last November, shortly before Cyberpunk 2077's delayed release, CD Projekt president and joint CEO Adam Kaczynski was asked what Reeves thought of the upcoming title. He played the game, Kaczynski said, but as far as I know, hasn't finished it yet. So, but definitely he played the game and he loves it. <laughs> But that's not the case, according to Reeves, who portrayed legendary rocker boy Johnny Silverhand in Cyberpunk 2077. In a new Verge interview focused on Epic Games' Unreal Engine 5 demo, The Matrix Awakens, Reeves was asked if he plays video games. No, he replied. Really? Even Cyberpunk came the follow-up? No, I mean, I've seen demonstrations, but I've never played it, the actor responded. Oh dear. Someone has been caught in a lie there. So either Keanu or the other dude. Who do you think it is, Simon? I think it's the other dude, isn't it? I think it's the other dude, isn't it? Tom adds, Reeves' comments are likely to cause embarrassment for CD Projekt and could even have a more more serious consequence given that they come less than a week after the company confirmed it had entered settlement negotiations with a group of shareholders who sued the company for allegedly misleading investors over the quality of the game. There we go. Well, I mean, I thought it was good. What they should have done when you you got the investors in your ear mm. they should have asked what score he got on One Life Left he got 7 <laughs> out of 10 mate wonder how many games Keanu's been in well he was in the the, um, the original Dave Perry The Matrix was he I don't know was he probably we 
would have thought. Don't know. Um, I tell you what he is in, though, is this The Matrix Awakens um, Unreal 5 engine uh, demo. Have you played it? I have not played it. That's the one we talked about, right? Moly. It's the one with all the manhole covers. One with all the manhole covers uh, and like twenty thousand streetlights. That's well, right. Well, we we counted a few this morning. Yeah. Uh, Dexter and I played it today. Okay. Um, it's really impressive. I mean, it's it is just a tech demo, mm-hmm. but it starts with uh, Keanu and uh, Carrie Ann Moss, and um, uh, they've got um, digital recreations of them. And they're really impressive. And the world is incredible. Uh, I was running it on an Xbox Series S. Uh, and it just looked fantastic. I think there's a glimpse into what that engine can do uh, and the direction that AAA games will, will will be taking. I think I thought it was enormously exciting. What can you do in it? Well, it's, it has, um, it has uh, like an intro to the world of The Matrix where Keanu and Carrie-Anne address you directly and then it sort of it does lots of effects and stuff. And then it has some shooty, shooty, shooty bits uh, which um, and some sort of quick time um, events uh, that are super simple. Uh, I mean, it could loosely be described as as a, as a, as a, like a five-minute long game, um, although I don't think there's any, any fail-state or anything like that. And then it just leaves you in the world uh, and you can zip about the city, flying around, walking around, having a good old nose at the uh, manhole covers and the cars <laughs> and the pedestrians and stuff like that. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Obviously, tech demos don't need to be doing a lot else other than just impressing you. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it genuinely is impressive. Thoroughly recommend it. It's free. free on All right, Xbox I will... Microsoft stores. I will play that over Christmas. PlayStation stores. Do-do. Okay, cool. That's it for the new section, isn't it? Is it? I had uh, one more. Okay, go for it. Story six, bonus. Uh, A Hungarian neuroscientist who trained to play rats to play Doom 2 has said he'd like to stream their gameplay on Twitch. (laughs) Victor Toth built a VR setup for rodents and taught three rats how to play the game by training them to walk down a corridor in the game without any assistance. The aim of the project was to create a VR system that would train rodents to walk around 3D environments without restraining them too much and without needing any surgical procedures. Toss says that uh, past neuroscience experiments have used rodent VR rigs and he hopes his setup will make those experiments easier in the future. Uh, speaking to Futurism, Toth uh, stated that he, Toth or Toth, stated that he'd like to try streaming the Rats gameplay on Twitch to f- help fund his project and raise its profile. I think streaming on Twitch is a very valid way to monetize a project like this, he said. The only problem is how long the rat can run for. <laughs> it's a problem that we've all faced at one time or another, isn't it? But yeah. um, I mean, Twitch I, will love this, surely. This is a place well, for Twitch. That's what I thought. I thought, well, what's stopping him from streaming it on Twitch? And so, again, I asked Dexter. I said, what's stopping him from streaming it on Twitch? And he went, animal cruelty. Is it cruelty, though? Maybe they're having a good time. Well. What does this look yeah. like, Simon? Like, I, I'm, I'm just trying, you know, obviously this is, we are on radio, so this is not a visual medium. So paint a picture. I'm imagining right now ma- uh, rats here with little Oculus quest visors uh no so what he's got is he's got them clamped 
Oh, okay. He he has them cuddled on a ball, (laughs) on a rotating ball, that as they walk and a screen in front of them. Right. uh, So as they as they move, then the ball moves. Okay. Okay. The same way that trackball does, and then that that moves Doom. Yeah, actually, it doesn't doesn't look cruel whatsoever. Mm. Um. So uh, yeah, in fact, it looks like a lot of fun for the rats. Much cuter. The rats are even wearing a fetching little top. <laughs> Much cuter with headsets, though. I think he has to do a bit of, like, I think there needs to be if if you are trying to bring Twitch on side. I, I mean, I'm certain he would get the audience here, but you have to do a little bit of positioning, right? So you have to work on the optics. So less clamping, fewer clamping, uh, in <laughs> in this setup. More adorable little headsets. Uh, yeah. Lovely little. Rat little outfits, a little bit of kissing. Yeah, haptic outfits for the yeah. for the rats. Um, yeah, definitely. Like 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 go for it. I I I think that is a good monetization plan, assuming you can circumvent the animal cruelty regulations on Twitch by not being cruel to animals. There we go. Foolproof steam. All done. All done. All done. All right. Thanks, Simon. One life left. Video game news with Anne Scantleberry. on One Life Left or we are back as One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM we're a video game radio show this is also a podcast which you can find at www.onelifeleft.com on that website you will see the show notes and in the show notes written by our under caretaker Phil you'll find the name of the piece of music that Simon has chosen so shall we talk about um, shall we talk about the big news Simon let's do it Steve how was it? How was your debut? Your street you do look different. You look younger. Right. I feel different, Steve. You know, when you've broadcast to almost ten thousand live viewers, I mean it, you know Stop it. An old David McCarthy joke, but you can't get more than ten thousand. <laughs> and uh yeah, you know, it just changes you, doesn't it? It um You'll remember us though, won't you? You remember all the you remember where you came from. I'm not. I'm not so sure, <laughs> Steve. Uh, I've got new. I've got new young friends now, and we just stream. That's what we do. Um, so Simon was uh, part of the Yogscast Jingle Jam uh, last Monday, right, Simon? I was. Yes, uh, the Jingle Jam finished on Tuesday. Uh, we raised uh, over three million pounds over the two weeks. Uh, so that was uh, two weeks of Yogscast streaming and uh, the um, donations to the collection this year, which were provided by a host of very generous publishers and developers who we couldn't do it without. Part of the uh, Jingle Jam is the Game Jam, uh, where um, people can submit their games that have been developed around a theme. And uh, they had a week to do so. And I was on the stream that 
was just running through some highlights. There weren't any winners this year. Uh, we were just going through games that we liked and that we that we enjoyed. And um, there were four of us in the first half of the stream. It was a it was a three hour stream, Steve. Okay. Uh, four of us in the first half, and then uh, we were joined by Lewis, uh, co-founder of the Yogscast, for the second half. And that was when the uh, the viewership spiked, Steve. We were on about four thousand before Lewis joined. And really? Then, uh, just shows you the. He has uh, six thousand friends. Yeah, well, you know, when well, <laughs> so everybody decided to watch them, which was um, great, but also a shame actually, because we did show um, some uh, some really good games in the first half. So yeah, it was great. I was in a studio uh, at the Oxcast uh, Studios. Um, there were four of us doing it. Um, so let me tell you what I've learned. Mm. Uh, so so the, so the way that it's set up at Yogscast is that um, you have four separate PCs, which are all separate with gaming chairs and stuff, green screen behind us. Um, and then they're all put together um, on the broadcast. So it looks like you're sat next to each other, but you're not. And sometimes ah. you'll see when people lean over, they sort of lean out their square. And each monitor has a, a broadcast camera pointed at you. And so you're wearing headphones, you've got a microphone and what have you. But but the um, but the setup at Yogscast is like an L shape. So I was on the right mm-hmm. and then I had Chris next to me and then we had Matt around the corner and then Alex on the far side. Um, and then opposite us is a big TV screen which shows the what the broadcast output is. Right. So that's fine. If, when I do it again, Steve, I'm not going to sit on one of the extremes. My tip to you, if you broadcast from the Yogscast Studios bag one of the center uh chairs because when you're looking at the screen it's not just the side of your head ah okay I see. Uh, so you know if you want people to en- to enjoy to appreciate your full face pick one of those um and yeah anyway it's good so we were just showing games um responding to um some of the comments in the chat interestingly uh, uh we weren't uh, um told how many people were watching um live and that's uh that's just that's just one of the that's just the way that we do it apparently uh just so you don't take the pressure off because otherwise mm. i would have started crying <laughs> um, but yeah i was a little nervous uh being um the world's oldest man on the internet um but the comments were, were super kind and actually the feedback that we got from uh, the Oxcast reddit uh was that everybody thoroughly enjoyed it um and actually um at least one of the developers has just um enjoyed the feedback and welcomed our comments so much that he's decided to take his week-long game jam game to a full game uh, which he's going to aim to complete next year so yeah it was great i thoroughly enjoyed it it was really really good i was a little bit nervous um i you know we 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 were allowed to swear but i didn't it felt super naughty um, yeah i think you want to save that stuff up don't you like i do until want to it's save that stuff really up. really important um i so i've you know just to finish this off how uh, what were the what were the differences between you know running the world's longest running video game radio show and and you know going on to a young upstart and also uh, what you know what, what about your experience from one life left stood you in good stead for the Oxcast? Well, uh, differences are. I mean, it was it was definitely uh, more crowded, and um, I think that there is there was definitely more of a performative air to it. So you what you had the first half was like four four guys trying to be funny at the same time, and then you had five trying to be funny at the same time. It was quite difficult to be funny actually. <laughs> um, uh, so um, that was different. Um, 
definitely talking into a microphone. Like, you know, so when I think back to how awful I was on, you know, normal, boring, linear television, um, you know, I was bad on Games Master, but I did Games World beforehand. I think, I think I did. Well, uh, well, um, if I didn't, then that's even worse. But I was rubbish at um at, at games world like, like genuinely awful couldn't speak into a camera um and so uh yeah the fact that we've been talking to a microphone for 16 years has certainly helped the other thing that's really helped is uh um lockdown um and a year of doing um uh video calls or a year and a half doing video calls and actually i was chatting to um probably the the the, the biggest tip that i got in lockdown which really helped uh, during the broadcast last week was that um during lockdown i was talking to chris van der kyle um who from 4j studios um and a and a, an old friend of mine and as i was chatting to him um it's just it's just occurred to me that he was he was he was he was looking at me and i said chris where's your camera uh, because you know, often like I'm doing it now. So my camera's mm. above my monitor. Yours is yours is on the laptop, but you, but I can't. You know, your eye line is not different. But you know that when you're doing calls, often you get people that are looking at you on the screen, but that's not where the camera is. Mm. Chris was staring into my eyes, and I, and I had seen on Kickstarter somebody had invented a thin camera which runs down the middle of a monitor, uh, like to to cut out the, um, that problem entirely. So I wondered whether that was what Chris was using. I said, I said, you yeah, know, so where is your camera? And he said, ah, he said, ah, he said, uh, this is my media training. What I do during calls is, that is when I'm speaking, I look into the camera and I was like, whoa, he said, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? And I was like, it absolutely does. And so now, so I've been doing it for a few months now and again, look down the camera. Uh, it's, um, it makes a world of difference to calls. And it certainly helps when you're addressing the Yogscast community, you're able to look into a camera and not freeze up like I did on Games World. <laughs> Um, fabulous tips, Simon. I heard nothing but good things about your debut. Very, very excited about your. Uh, if only there was a way for you to have watched it, Steve. Absolutely, couldn't do that because I, my heart was breaking as it was happening, Simon. <laughs> I want to just look at you speeding ahead into the distance, not even glancing over your shoulder as one life left gazes on, thinking about where our next presenter's coming from. Um, but I assume you'll be invited back next year. Hopefully. We'll see, won't we? But don't worry, Simon, you'll always have a have a home here as well. Well, get... <laughs> I do have a face for radio, so... <laughs> uh, let's get on with the letters, shall we? Email, messages, and forward BCC. One life letters. Right, you handle the... Um, you handle the inbox. I'll handle the Discord. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do some humming to fill the time. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to notice. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got one right here. I mean, I've got so many. Let's go. All right. Uh, This is from Lawrence Weir. Dear team, I would estimate that at least half the games I complete leave me feeling bad. This is because I've put so much precious time into a game that I actually stopped enjoying between 50 and 70% of the way through the game. It's just down to my completionist personality that drives me on begrudgingly. I very rarely get this feeling with books or films. This isn't a question, I guess. Just an insight into the regret of wasted time I will have on my deathbed. Love the show! Merry Christmas! Lawrence! (laughs) 
Well, I, yeah, I feel that, Lawrence, sometimes. But I don't know. If you're playing the right thing and it's doing wonders for your mental health, calming you down or making you have a good time, then that's that's all there is. If you find yourself just grinding through to complete something for the sake of it, let it go. Step Stop away. It. Throw it. it in the canal. Phil Lunt, our undercaretaker. Right, hello team SSG, maybe, and Santa, who knows? As this is the last episode of the year, do I get holiday pay? I never did get an employee's handbook from HR. And also the last episode before One Life Left hits the big time. Do I get a raise? I thought I'd throw in a few questions, especially as last week was a bit quiet. These will start relatively straightforward and increase in complexity stroke nonsense levels. Question number one, what is your game of 2021? Oh. Oh. I'm going to answer that and say Resident Evil Village. Oh, it might be that... Um, well, it was no, it was Noiter at the start of the year because I was still playing that and absolutely in love with it. And I think possibly... Oh, I don't know. Let me come back to that. I'll have a think. Who is your gaming or gaming adjacent person of 2021? Well, it's Simon Byron and his leap into streaming. Will we all quit our jobs again and seek new and possibly even more fulfilling roles, careers in 2022? I mean, who knows? I certainly didn't expect this time last year to, to, have, to quit my job uh, in, the, in, in the following year. Did you, Steve? I would not have predicted I would be doing what I am doing right now if you had asked me. Even six months ago, uh, I would have been surprised. So, yeah, who well, knows what the future has to hold? A part of me um, is I like I'm so I'm a, I'm I'm annoyed with past self uh, not for doing it sooner. Uh, on Christmas Day in 1991, I played Sonic the Hedgehog. This is Phil again. I played Sonic the Hedgehog on my shiny new Mega Drive so much, while sat too close to the TV set that it made me sick. Although this did get me out of various cringy family activities. Has a game ever made you physically ill? And if so, what was it? And why do you think it made you sick? Uh, F-Zero GX played in uh, VR. I played, I forgot what it's, a Mute City track for about an hour. Uh, loved every minute of it and took off the headset and was immediately sick on the floor. The, 1990, the 1990 platform puzzle game Flood by Bullfrog put me off completing games for life. That's my excuse anyway. Not really a spoiler after all this time, but after completing 30-odd levels where you're trying to escape an all-consuming flood, your little character... I'm just going to pause just in case anybody doesn't want this spoiled. Your little character climbs out of a sewer and gets run over by a car. <laughs> This ruined me, as up to that point, I loved the game and its little hero, a goggle-wearing green creature named Quiffy. Apparently, killing Quiffy was Peter Molyneux's only contribution to the development of this lesser-known bullfrog title, The Evil Swine. This whole experience has left me wary of many things and made me sceptical and cynical at far too young an age. If any lawyers are listening, I'm considering a case against Molyneux for ruining my life. Have any games made you wary of doing something or made you sceptical or cynical about life in general? Are there any famous game devs who you would consider suing for any reason? <laughs> Hope all the team and your families have a great Christmas and all the best for 2022. Ta-ta for now, Phil, the undercare taker. Uh, are, are you going to sue anybody, Steve? <laughs> there are so many, really? so many famous game devs uh, that we would look forward to suing for all kinds of reasons. I'm sure we could contrive a lawsuit against Uncle Charles Cecil. Um, perhaps for 
callously breaking the news of so many celebrities' deaths <laughs> by yelling them under doors. Uh, That's yeah. where he waits. Those he are... waits <laughs> for a celebrity death and then he appears outside your door. Those are Terry Wogan's dead. <laughs> Uh, if you don't understand what we're talking about, that's a callback to the last 15 years of One Life Left. Just work your way through the archives and see. You'll understand. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, Phil, for all of those questions, some of which we answered. Uh, I have uh, Sir Tom Crumpet writes on the Discord, Yo, questions. I can ask many. I'm a PC player, but I'm fortunate to have both a sofa, living room setup, and an office setup, and I flip between the two, and it's the eternal question. Lean in or sit back mouse and keyboard or controller halo infinite sit back it's designed that way the ascent lean in look at all that gorgeous cyber junk aliens fire team not great lent back might enjoy more if i lean in as you can tell i've got my three months practically free of game pass so secret extra question what's a good lean back game on there that i can enjoy with the missus something investigatey sherlock crime and punishment was popular what about that their forgotten city um, love the show, you the best, or at least as good as the best. Don't want to show favouritism among my gaming podcast playlist. Final extra question. Got the old GameCube out the loft for Xmas. Christmas. How is Mario Sunshine this hard? Spent four hours on the first level. Also stick with the stretch 16 to 9 that looks fine, or fiddle with the TV settings to make it 4-3. Um, right, I will field that last bit. Mario Sunshine is ridiculously hard, and I know that from spending 25 minutes with it, having played it, going, oh yeah, this was a really good purchase. Looking forward to going through all of these. Anyway, I'll play it again later and never doing that. And that is the story of video games for me a lot of the time. Uh, definitely play it in 16.9. You do not need to be genuine about these things, compressing the uh, compressing the, the screen to 4.3. It doesn't make any difference. I am VHO. Simon, uh, what is a good lean back game on Game Pass? Um, I've not been on Game Pass for a while. I think Unpacking is on there, and lots of people seem to like that, even though I don't. Um, <laughs> but that is, I think that's almost the definition of lean back, in that, um, yeah, you can just sort of, I mean, it's a game without any pressures as far as I can mm. see. Mm. Um, uh, and I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things about The Forgotten City. It is on my list. Have you got a list? Have you got another question there? Or another letter from Chris Conroy? Oh, sorry. No, I, th- I thought we were still dealing with the... Well, we have. We've got, I've got one here. Hello, team. Hello, Super Santa guest, writes Weasel Spoon. I just want to know what's on your Christmas list this year. What do you hope to find in your stockings? I'm hoping my Sinden light gun will arrive in time for me to impress my family at the inevitable gathering. Pip-Pip Roberts. Any uh, games you've asked for for Christmas this year, Simon? No, I got most of the stuff for my birthday, although, of course, with the delay um, of the Amiga Mini, I have to wait until March for that now. Thanks very much. But I got my Zelda game on watch, uh, which I'm very happy about. Um, But, Robert, please, please, please do keep us posted on how the Sindon light gun works. I am super keen to get my hands on two of those. Um, I want to know, uh, does it work with a laptop? How long are the leads? How difficult are the emulators? Can you get Let's Go Jungle up and running? Etc, um, etc. Et uh, so please do please do keep us posted. Um, friend of the show, Brandon Sheffield, uh, just retweeted something on Twitter, which sounds like the game that I'm going to get for this Christmas. It's a game called PictoQuest. Maybe you've heard of it, Simon. It's Apparently it's uh, on sale at the moment, $5 on the USE shop at least. And it is a cross between Picross and a light RPG. 
and that sounds like something I need. Well, I hope I hope you've been good, Steve. <laughs> to myself. Uh, uh, all right, Simon. Uh, next yes. letter. Chris, uh, thank you for resending this, Chris, because it did get lost. Uh, T, dear T man, SSG, I've been watching the new Games Master with my kids, and despite some confusion over the Games Master Golden Joystick, middle one, is it for driving a car, eldest, in the olden days? That's how they played games. It's getting great reviews from them and a welcome break from endless YouTube clips of shouty men playing hide and seek in Minecraft. It's great to see the TV format standing up in a world with so much online content, and the magic of, our, of the original has been brought back to life with the presenters and Sir Trev. Rab Florence attempting an assault course in a big daddy suit is a Christmas present none of us knew we wanted. And the thrill of Spot the Weasel Spoon is unmatched by anything outside of Prestige TV. Tradition demands a question, so what's the team, what's the OLL verdict so far? Before we go into that, I'd just like to say that there's nothing wrong with internet television, okay? In fact, I, but I hear <laughs> it's the future. Um, so I've not watched Games Master yet. I'm sorry about that, but I've heard, just as with your streaming appearance Simon I've heard nothing but good things about it uh, people really seem to have warmed to it and I think that's because it isn't trying to do anything with the format except for updating it for right now right it's not changing uh, the feel of it and they've cast it really really well from what I've heard yeah I've I've not uh, completed the first episode yet I mean an hour's a lot it's I mean it's yeah. a that's a lot of my of, of, of the life I have left. Um, but I did uh, I did enjoy what I saw, uh, and I was pleased because uh, so often when you revisit things that you used to do and enjoy, um, when you, you can often feel embarrassed. Um, Kate uh, very generously bought me um, the collection of the one magazines that I edited for my birthday, and it's great to have them. I just am too embarrassed to read them. So, um, yeah, was pleased to see though that uh, Games Master does retain its charm. So well done, everybody involved. Uh, final letter is from Mugizi. Dear team, I'm reporting in to get on the pre-fame good list. What games are you looking forward to next year? It's Elden Ring for me. Uh, the Mario Kart review in the last episode was very cute. Have a great Christmas. Any games you're anticipating next year, Simon? Well, um, I know we're, we're running long, Steve, um, I but uh, I, uh, I'm i looking forward to uh, God of War in January on PC. I'm also looking forward to Sp Spider-Man Miles Morales on PlayStation 5. Maybe let's talk about that next episode. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you, Steve, uh, I'm not the owner of one yet, but it's on its way. Really? Yep. Stop it. Uh, Kate, okay. Kate, Kate sorted it out for very. There you go. So if you need a PlayStation Five, very have had them. Um, I am. Uh, I think this feels like a bit of a gauche move, but I really need to say this in order to hold myself to a commitment. The game that I am most looking forward to next year is a game that I am going to publish. Uh, it is the puzzle game that I've talked about on this radio show this year. I'm still not done, but it is coming out next year, even if I have to pay someone else myself to do it, uh, because it's really, really, really good. Really good. Uh, and I'm fed up of not releasing things. So that well is done, the Steve. Good. Uh, that reminds me when I um, stated publicly that I was going to complete Dragon's Lair. And never <laughs> did. <laughs> so I wish you all, I genuinely wish you more success uh, than me. All right, let's have some music and then we'll be back. No, this. no, straight into reviews. We're going to go all straight right. into reviews. All right, straight into, straight into Simon Byron's Fast Five, five Christmas games. No, straight into reviews. <laughs> 
All right, Simon, what have you been playing this week? Oh, I'm pleased I'm editing the show this week, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I see you just saying straight to the reviews, then you have to do it. Um, well, uh, I have, thankfully... Um, been able to get hold of a code for Final Fantasy VII Remastered Edition on PC. Uh, I talked about it last week and about how I was umming and ahhing about the cost. Um, it is expensive, uh, SRP of £70. If you buy it at the moment with the Epic coupon, uh, it's £60. Uh, so it is an investment. Now, lots of people have been super grumpy with it. Uh, Digital Foundry, who I wonder whether they can ever have any enjoyment playing any game ever without worrying about varying frame rates and resolution, etc. They said it's the worst AAA PC port they've ever seen. Wow. Now, <laughs> I'm no digital foundry, but I've been having a great time with it. Um, I've played maybe two hours. So Okay, so section... before you go on, can you just mm. explain to us what this is? Because I thought Final Fantasy VII, or a chunk of it, had come out last year. Yeah, so this is the PC version of the PlayStation exclusive. So it is that uh, version. It is that thing. It is, yeah. Right. Although um, it comes with with some some extra DLC, I think. I don't know. Like when we were talking about Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy um, Endwalker earlier, I I'm, I'm quite out of touch with the world of Final Fantasy, and so yeah, I'm not I'm not certain what this is. What I can tell you is, it's based on Final Fantasy VII, the PlayStation version. It's a remake of it, and. I recently played the opening of Final Fantasy VII on my emulation uh, device and uh, so uh, was alive again to the intro and to the music and to the cuts and to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so um, it was quite fresh in my mind when I started playing the opening section of this. And boy, oh boy, um, it is an extraordinary remake. I don't know. I think as an illustration of how far we've come, uh, it is... Uh, I, look, I'm... I'm an old man who likes AAA games, and for me, you know, being back in that world where, you know, actually, you know, so I, I think Final Fantasy VII, I think I've finished it, I've certainly finished it more than once. It's one of the very, very few games I've, I've finished uh, more than once, and so I'm a big fan of it, but again, looking at it recently, you're like, okay, look, you, you there is no way that a young person is going to look at that game and understand its importance. However, the PC uh, remake is just, uh, it, I mean, on, on, on my laptop, it looked absolutely wonderful. I wasn't having any problems at all. They've slightly changed the um, battle uh, uh, the, or, or the way the battles work, and I felt a bit out of my depth about um, about how that was going on. They've moved the default is moving it to real time, and I don't sort of fully understand what's going on. I have just knocked it back to classic, and we'll see if that makes a difference. But yeah, crikey, seeing Midgar and the characters and hearing the music um, it, with you know all of today's bells and whistles is something that I'm thoroughly enjoying, and I'm delighted to be able to play it over Christmas. It is a lot of money, um, and so uh, if you're not um, able to play it now, do stick it on your wish list and wait for a sale. But yeah. Um, I don't know. There are a lot of people there very grumpy about it. That's not my experience at all. 7 out of 10. How much of Final Fantasy 7 is it? Again, I don't... Yeah, I, I think I think it's like only a third of the original game, right. but it still takes 40 hours to, to play that. And then it's got some some D, some side quest DLC. So I don't know. Um, mm, I'll keep you posted. Okay, so um, I told you earlier in the show that I spent 25 quid on a game this week, and that is absolutely true. Uh, but it isn't a video game as people tend to understand them. Um, 
people who've listened to the show uh, you know over the last couple of years will know that i've been very very into doing the guardian cryptic crossword i've mentioned that a few times on the show as well and i might even have mentioned how a friend of the show friend of us chris remo um has moved to the uk recently and with with that he uh, he brought his addiction to the new york times crossword and he's he actually does a brilliant youtube channel which is just beautiful like where you can just watch him solve a crossword every day and he's very very good at them american crosswords very very different structurally to the uk crosswords a lot more cross clues and generally uh the clues are well they vary and and that's kind of what i like about the structure of the new york times crossword i i basically finally bit the bullet and paid for a subscription uh because i was told their app is great and so it is um every day you get a new crossword and those crosswords alter in difficulty across the week. So Mondays, it's very, very easiest. Uh, I usually manage to do Monday, no problem, in about 10 minutes. Um, Saturday, very, very, very difficult. Um, I find it very, very difficult, at least Chris Remo, no problem, absolutely nails it. And Sundays, uh, a bit bigger, a little bit more playful, sometimes hard and different. During the week, you find interesting, uh, sort of not just variations in difficulty, but variations in structure. Sometimes, Simon, you won't believe the things they do to the crosswords. Sometimes, Sometimes they have two letters in one square. <laughs> oh, that's made me angry. I know. <laughs> today, today, here's what they did. They had two, two questions in one line and a gap between them. And sometimes what? They'll have anagrams, will they? And sometimes <laughs> you can do drawings in them, can you? Yeah, this isn't a crossword. Once once you had to link up some stars to make a constellation and tell them well it was honestly very like there are there's usually one gimmick every week i think it often falls on a thursday i might have that wrong uh and and it's often very clever like today's gimmick was super super clever um and yeah uh 25 quid i think i've already sunk in probably about 12 hours to it and uh, you get loads of other games for free. You get the Spelling Bee, uh, some other nice games. And I am, uh, I'm glad I finally, finally, finally decided to do it. Uh, there are archive sites where you can play all of the, lots of the old ones for free, and that's what I've been doing up until now. Uh, but yeah, it's good. I'll be playing a lot of that over Christmas as well. But I will be playing some traditional video games alongside them. Um, it's a good wholesome activity. Seven out of ten. Great, good stuff. Uh, we're up against it now. I think we're going to have to wrap up. We are. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to us throughout this year and actually over the last 16 years, I think we've decided. As Simon has alluded to this episode and as we've talked about over the last few episodes, we're going to be doing things a bit differently next year, aren't we? We are. Uh, we just need to work out exactly how we're doing that, but that's on my list of things to do tomorrow. Yeah, and there will be news about that uh, however you get One Life Left soon at the start of next year but until that point um merry christmas everybody merry christmas thank you for listening hope Happy you have New a wonderful year. time see and here's you. to it's better to, it's to better times ahead yeah see you in 2022 until then goodbye, goodbye. <laughs>